The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should consider obtaining independent advice before making any financial decisions. Hi, I'm uh, Tim, and welcome to another edition of uh, Health Kick. Uh, and we're live today from the floor of the uh, Oz Biotech Annual Conference in Melbourne, which of course is uh, quite an event. Uh, today uh, we're looking at the sexy field of immuno-oncology uh, and the more broader question of how Australian biotechs uh, can achieve success in the global market, which of course can be uh, big and very uh, scary. Uh, to tackle these big issues, I've got with me Stephen Yutomi Clark, the CEO of the cancer drug developer Prescient Therapeutics. So, uh, welcome, Steve. Thank you very much for having me. No problems. Um, just a bit about Prescient. Uh, in a nutshell, it's a, a Melbourne-based clinical stage oncology company that's targeting specific mutations that cause cancers. Uh, it's got two basic candidates on the go. Uh, called PTX100 and PTX200, uh, and they both have uh, novel uh, mechanisms of action, uh, which uh, in uh, layman's terms uh, I think involves regulating the on and off buttons which uh, cause cancers to, to grow, but uh, Steve can uh, take me up on that later if it's uh, not quite right. So well, firstly Steve, just um, in terms of all these biotechs, um, how do you think they are sort of betting on the global stage in, in general? You know, where, where are they sort of winning and, and where do they need to do more work? I think we've certainly come, come a long way and no doubt a long way to go. Uh, but I think we're doing reasonably well without being too self-satisfied. There have yes. been a few successes in terms of getting, um, in terms of getting recognition from overseas investors, overseas corporates. I mean, one of the most recent examples is Virolytics, which was a homegrown technology here from Newcastle uh, in Australia uh, with Darren Shaffron and recognised by US investors and ultimately by, by Merck, one of the largest drug companies in the world. And that was a transaction just last year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, we've got other companies looking to do collaborations and had success um, with overseas partners. Pharmaxis is another example of that. Um, so we're seeing more and more of these um, these cross-border transactions and collaborations. And, and look, science is international. Australia has um, built a reputation on being very good at basic science, perhaps sure. not so good at translational science, but having a very good clinical trial network for once you're in the clinic with genuine global clinical leaders. And I think that's helped really shine a light on Australia, which has allowed a lot of these sort of cross-border collaborations to take place. Yeah, okay. So, so our science, our basic science is, uh, is quite good. Uh, what about sort of the, the hard-headed side, uh, the, uh, the, the access to finance? Do, do you think we're getting our fair share of the capital? I think there's probably more money in the pot now than there has been mm. um, and I do think there's increasing recognition from places like the US and certain parts of Asia to invest in Australia. I mean the ASX is still I think the sixth or the seventh biggest exchange in the world and, and does have good liquidity. Um, the ASX is de facto venture capital here so overseas investors can have the benefit of something 
relatively cheap by their standards and early stage, but with the liquidity that comes with a listed market. That's not everyone's cup of tea, but for certain opportunistic funds, there's no doubt that that's an attraction to them and they're starting to exploit that under the radar. They're not happy about some of their peers cottoning on, but um, certainly increasing recognition. And there's, there's a growing number of uh, companies on the ASX now, and we're one of them, that have got some US investors on their share register. Okay, so you don't have to go and be listed on NASDAQ or, or necessarily have a direct US presence? I don't think so. I think that would help but certainly is not necessarily um, inhibiting people who are really motivated to make an investment. Yeah, okay. So I'm just, I'm, I'm just wondering uh, how you think the interest will be manifested sort of by, by way of partnerships or, or cornerstone stakes or, yeah, um, or, 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 or just sort of out and out uh, uh, takeovers. Yeah, yeah, both I think, and you know, Surtex was another one that was that was um, you know, uh, yes, overseas course, being yes. being China. That was that was another one. So I think we'll see. Um, it'll it'll come from both parts, from investors looking to get in and out, in and out, but much less frequently. You see, you see, you know, acquisitions and mergers and whatnot. But it'll continue to be um, the the more international blood you have. On the registers of these companies, I think the more eyes watching the stock, the more people talking about it from, you know, in investor land and in corporate land, it probably makes transactions, uh, sort of greases the wheels for transactions to some extent. Yes, yes. And, and speaking of speaking of the financial side, you've sort of got an interesting background, haven't you? Because you're you're in corporate finance, in, yeah. in broking, so yeah. uh, a, a little bit unusual, I guess, for a biotech chief, although you do have a scientific yeah, well, yeah. So I did I did honours in biochem and molecular biology, um, and then did a, a degree also in um, economics. So yeah, I guess I was someone described me as a scientist with a chronic finance habit, or maybe the <laughs> other way around. But yeah, so I found myself drawn to the. I'd never wanted to stay at the bench. Um, I didn't want to be a slave to grants, but I, I saw a good opportunity in the finance side of of science. I didn't know what was called biotech at the time. And uh, yes, I was drawn to the transactional side of that business, which was corporate finance, investment banking, and um, yeah, found a little niche for myself. There was, it's a very opaque market, so there's an opportunity for people who are, I guess, fluent in, in both dialects of science and finance to, one, identify good opportunities, or at least uh, identify where the catalysts might be, and then communicate that with people who uh, uh, are wanting to exploit that arbitrage and yeah, carved out a nice niche for myself doing that over, I don't know, what, 15 odd years or so. Yes, yes, because I, I guess you sort of need the balance between the scientists yeah. on the board and the uh, and the finance people and, and, and the marketing people. Yeah. Uh, do you think it's sort of sometimes skewed maybe a bit yeah. a bit towards sort of the scientific area and yeah, the I messages mean, aren't, aren't conveyed in yeah, I think, layman's yeah, terms? Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, I think you need equal, equal measures of both, to be honest. I think you need to be able to um, make sure that the science is robust, so you have to have the uh, you have to have you know, be able to have the, the, the language of science and that uh, that knowledge under your belt. There's no shortcut to getting the science. You have to actually put in the yards and study it. Yes. Um, so it's not something you can pick up as a hobby without a great deal of effort. I would have thought. Um, but then learning you know you know what it means to commercialise that, what that means in terms of a return on investment ultimately for investors and how you communicate complicated things in a digestible way to people who are foreign to that sector, yeah, that, that can be a challenge. Yeah. It's, all, it's also really interesting. 
Yeah, yeah, no, 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 I'm sure it is, yeah. And, 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 and sort of speaking of the scientific side, one, one, of, your, one of your projects uh, involves the mechanism of action, if I can call it that, called RAS, and I take it there's yeah. been quite a bit of global interest. Yeah. There's been a few developments in that Yeah, it's that very, field. very topical. So um, there's a number of genes that when they go, um, you know, when, they, when they mutate in a certain way, they can drive cancer, um, called oncogenic um, proteins. One of those, and it was the very first discovered, I believe, the first oncogene is RAS. So just think of it like a problematic switch, like a, like a stuck accelerator that can yes. sell, send a cell out of control. So it's long been considered one of the most important cancer switches, but has been called the undruggable target. It's a slippery type of protein, nothing binds to it. Um, and we happen to have the only RAS inhibitor in the clinic in Australia, uh, certainly in, in any uh, listed company. Um, and uh, yeah, that's in the clinic right now. So what's interesting that you might be seeing headlines internationally on RAS, Amgen, a giant pharmaceutical company in the US, had success. They were, they've been the first to crack a certain subset of RAS. They've got a, a very small subset of RAS that has a very particular mutation that enables their inhibitor to, to get in there. They've, they've had success in that and that's shot their company up by uh, an enormous amount. And in pure neurology, uh, a company looking at a similar thing called Miriadi is getting a lot of attention as well. They're up to over $3 billion in valuation on the hype from you know, the neurology on their RAS okay. program. So we're in the right space at the right time with a trial underway with um, a RAS pathway inhibitor, a very different way of, of inhibiting uh, RAS. Okay, now is this, does this pertain to the PTX100 or the 200 program? This is PTX100. Okay, yeah. so this is what you would consider your lead program? I guess it's, it's certainly got the most attention at the moment, so it's in the eyes of the beholder. But, sure. Uh, <laughs> it's like picking your favourite children. But yes. yeah, certainly it's the one that most people are talking about now and, and with good reason, I guess. Yeah, okay. And so just, just fill me in a bit about the trial. What, what, what does the trial involve and yeah, what's so, the timing like? Yeah, so this is a new way of looking at trials instead of just looking at, say, lung cancer or gastrointestinal cancer or whatever it might be. We've come up with a new, with, I think we're the first company in Australia certainly listed to, to do what they call a basket study. Okay. So we don't care, we, we don't care where the mutation is, the RAS or RO mutation, we'll get to that in a moment, but if it's in any one of, in the first instance, leukaemia, myeloma, pancreatic or gastric cancers, if you've got this mutation and it drives that cancer, you're uh, on this study. Uh, now, th th that's the second part of this study, but we've just initiated a, uh, a phase 1B study here in Australia under the leadership of Professor Miles Prince, who's a genuine, global, uh, you know, renowned key opinion leader in, in the area of cancer, in particular haematology, blood cancers. So he's leading that study at Epworth, and uh, yeah, that's under their screening patients as we speak, which is great. Um, if that's a success and we don't see why it wouldn't be, that'll roll into what, what could potentially be a registrational study where you enrich the, the, the patient pool for only those people who have the mutation. So what's that mean? It means just stacking the deck. The patients who are likely to respond are the only ones you let onto the study. Yes, 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 of course. And, and, and um, do, do these patients, do, like, do they have multiple cancers or, or are you saying that, that uh, among the patient population uh, that they have different cancers? Yeah, they have different cancers. So think of it like this. Um, so 
your next door neighbour shares a very similar address to you, certainly the same postcode, but you've got no, nothing genetically similar with them. You would have more, <laughs> you would hope not, but you would have much more in common with your mother, your brother, your sister, who might live in different postcodes. And so it is with cancer. You might have two different lung tumours from patient to patient that are driven by very different genetic um, drivers they might have more in common with um, genetically a tumour in the liver, in the stomach, in the lung, in the breast. Um, so I guess we're saying people should be looking at the genetic drive of the, of the disease rather than its, its postcode. Okay, okay. And it sounds like RAS, it's, uh, it, it's kind of agnostic in terms of the, uh, the cancer target. Yeah, it's, it's, it's more common. It's very, very common in some cancers like pancreatic. It's 90% gastric, you know, sort of you know, well over half, lung cancer. It's in many, many cancers. Um, there's no shortage of cancers in which RAS is involved. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, it'd be great to tackle pancreatic cancer, wouldn't it? Because oh, goodness uh, me. Yeah, that's, uh, uh, yeah that is, that is a terrible, terrible disease. I, yeah. think it's, I think it's the most fatal cancer, isn't it? Yes, yeah. it's normally diagnosed late um, and a poorly vascularised um, tumour, so it's, 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 it's tricky to treat and people present late, so that, and they progress quickly. Yeah, okay, okay. And as a company, who would you like to be most compared with? Uh, I, I guess you're going to say Virolytics, but... Um. Oh, we're, yeah, it's a, a different type of company. Oh, it's like saying, what sort of person would you like to be? Just a better version of myself, I reckon. <laughs> but um, look, I think we are... Um, a company called Loxo was bought earlier this year for, for um, I think it was $8 billion dollars. And they had this, they pioneered this basket study approach I just spoke about with a targeted therapy. They really turned that on its head. Now, a couple of guys who work for us, they helped develop that drug. And they were the ones when we were scratching our heads, trying to pick any number of, a couple of dozen indications, different type of, types of cancer to, to design a study for PTX200. It was them that said, Steve, we're thinking about this all wrong. Here's what we did with this drug and here's what Loxo were doing with it. And so I guess if we could model ourselves on anyone, I think we could do a lot worse than than what Loxo did. Okay, so and they're, they're Loxo are a NASDAQ listed company? They were, yeah, they were acquired by uh, Lilly, I think it was earlier this year. For, oh, okay. Yeah, in January, so mm. yeah. For how much? I think a lazy eight billion US for, uh, yeah. For, um, okay, yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot, yeah. yeah. And meanwhile, you've got a market cap of uh, what, probably uh, not much. You know? Yeah, probably not much. It's what, uh, I think, 24 and change, depending on the day. Yeah, yeah. million, that is. Yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> and yeah. how... Um, how, uh, how uh, well funded are you or otherwise to uh, c complete the clinical programs you've uh, yeah. outlined? No, you... good, good question. We're, we're very well funded. Um, I think our quarterly just came out this morning. We've got uh, roughly eight and a half in the bank plus a rebate to come. So we're well funded into next year. There's no problem about that. Oh, right. Okay. okay. Yeah. So, so you wouldn't be expected to raise capital? Uh... Oh, we wouldn't raise capital on our current programs, but, you know, as we've said publicly, we're always looking for, um, for, for new things that fit our core competencies and to um, extend our pipeline. So if something came along that required the funding, then perhaps we'd look at it. But, um, yeah, certainly with our internal programs, no, there's, there's no need for, uh, for imminent funding <laughs> by any stretch. Although, uh, like when you're driving, you don't leave it 
till the uh, to, until you pull into the uh, no. the servo to uh, to, to fill yeah, up the tank. No, no, you don't want to be pushing your car into the servo, do you? No, but mm. no, we 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 raised capital earlier this year, and you know, with our rebate, um, so to raise nine earlier this year and still have you know basically we'll have more than that by the time the rebate comes in is it's pretty good going. We run a pretty tight ship. We pride ourselves on being you know maybe one of the few biotechs that's sort of typically uh, under budget and ahead of schedule. Um, and some of those, you know, they wax and wane as we're experiencing now, but uh, we're pretty responsible managers as shareholder funds. Yeah, yeah, okay, terrific. And um, you've got you've got a couple of uh, notable instos on the register yeah. uh, with uh, Australian Australian Ethical uh, for one. Yeah, Aussie Ethical, uh, um, Regal Funds is another Regal. one. We've mm. got CVC, we've got Acorn. Yeah, we've got a few good shareholders on the register there. Um, Scientia is another one, sort of, uh, and we've got some some New York um, life science dedicated funds on the on the register as well. Okay, well, what's a rough split between uh, retail and uh, institutional? I think we are roughly about thirty five percent institutional at this stage, and um, maybe that again in high net worths, and the rest, I guess retail, non-708 retail. Yeah, okay, okay. And uh, just to close out, but perhaps you could just sort of summarise what investors uh, should be looking out for in, in the next sort of, sort of six to 12 months? Yeah, for prescient? Yeah. Uh, absolutely, we've got, um, well, PTX 200 is due some results soon, and there's um, other things that we can be doing with that drug as well. So watch that space. PTX 100 will be progressively reading out as that study um, as that study gathers momentum. So and that's all that's all in the space of the next year or so. And then there's some additional things we look forward to um, informing the market about, which um, I'm pretty excited about. Oh, okay. Can you elaborate on those? Or uh... no, I cannot. <laughs> nice try. I, I thought I, th- <laughs> I thought I thought that might have been the case, uh, but uh, yeah. so so suffice to say, it's the RAS program and the PTX 100, which will uh, raise up investors. I guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well said. Yeah, I, I guess so. I guess so. Yeah, lots going on, and uh, yeah, we don't let uh, yeah we, we don't stay still for very long at pressing. No, no, I'm sure you don't. Um, yeah. Steve, thanks very much for dropping by. It's been a, it's been a pleasure to uh, to talk, and thanks, uh, always good luck with the program. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Cheers. Cheers.